Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos on this uh, Tuesday. Big day in sport, actually. Quite a significant day in sport. Uh, we had the news regarding Nat Fife deciding to step down as captain of the Fremantle Football Club. Is it a surprise? I suppose it is to a certain degree, but not an absolute shock because it has been talked about it even just along Longmuir in the media speaking even here on SENWA, suggested that uh, he didn't come out and categorically say the Nat Fife would be skipper. It would go through the process. The players would have a say. It had to be endorsed by the board. Um, whatever it may be, in the end, he's decided, reportedly over his own volition, to give it away and concentrate on being a contributor as Fremantle search for that elusive very first premiership. you hear from Nat Fife in just a moment. The other big story today has been Manchester City, and we'll be looking at that in detail a bit later on. One of the giants of world football, and as we know, one of the giants of the English Premier League. And what are the consequences going forward in relation to Manchester City? And will they be given the treatment that the Melbourne victory in fact, let's start again. The Melbourne Storm got when, of course, there were salary cap breaches for the Melbourne Storm and they were stripped of premierships in the National Rugby League. But as we know, there's no promotion and relegation in the National Rugby League, but there is relegation in the English Premier League. And will they maybe follow the same tact that happened to Juventus? Uh, the Giants of Italy some years ago when they were implicated in relation to bribery and uh, trying to fix matches. But anyway, uh, we'll d- touch on that a bit later on. As well as that, uh, there is the big event here on Sunday, significant event in relation to the UFC. And every man and his dog would like to go. The ticket prices are fairly expensive. And as Peter Bocop, the Chief Operating Officer of Venues West, told me on this program when we last had him on, that it was the fastest selling event that he could recall. Tickets were just snapped up in the space of just minutes. Everybody wanted to go. And it's going to be a significant event. And a man that knows all about it, and he stems, even though he was born in New South Wales, he now is a resident of Perth, Western Australia. Soa Palalu, the Hulk, is going to join us a little bit later on. He knows what it's all about. He's fought at UFC, and he'll also give us his thoughts on the card, and in particular, another West Australian who's in some ways following Soa's footsteps, Jack Della Maddalena. He's on the card 
for the big one at the RAC Arena on Sunday morning. So Sol is going to join us a little bit later on. And also we'll speak to Mike Ellis, the Perth Wildcats skipper. And he's got some honest truths about the Wildcats. I know everyone's excited. They're in the playoffs. They just, they, they just snuck in, to be fair. Are they simply making up numbers? Uh, we'll throw those questions to Mike Ellis a little bit later on. But let's kick it off as we look back at Nat Fife and the big announcement today that he's decided to step away from the captaincy. He took over as Fremantle skipper in 2017 after one year of David Mundy. And uh, before the start of the 2023 season, he's decided to give it away and hand over the responsibility to someone else. Will it be Alex Pierce? Will it be... Andrew Brayshaw, they're the two that I'm uh, leaning towards. I know there's been talk of Caleb Sarong. I'm not quite sure that he's ready at this point in time. Anyway, here's Nat Fife and some of the reasons why he decided to hand over the captaincy. Last year was a challenging year for me individually, but a great year for the club, and it just started to pave the way for a potential transition. I um, was really transparent with the other leaders, Peter Bell, Justin Longmuir, uh, and Garlo, in trying to get to a position where we could really swing off me stepping aside and the next captain coming through. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, that sort of came to a head where intuitively um, I knew and we knew that it was an exciting opportunity for the club um, for me to step aside and let someone else come through. When I took over from sort of Dave and Matthew Pavlich in 2017, it, um, we had like a number of rocky years ahead. We were transitioning our list. Um, we invested heavily in talent, but we copped a lot of beatings. I remember losing down in Geelong, the biggest loss ever for the club. And as a captain, I felt like that took years off my life because it was it was just um, quite a stressful experience to have so much expectation and to, f to really feel the burden of that loss so heavily. So stepping aside as captain at a time where we feel like we're in a position to really have an impact at the pointy end of the season, I think there's real pride in that for me and that um, I've always led best when times are toughest. Um, and now I get an opportunity to lead, not from the front, but from the shadows where I feel like I do some of my best work. Yeah, I've got a real challenge in front of me, uh, learning my forward craft again, working with Jamie Graham, Sonny Walters and the other forwards and trying to learn that craft again. And it's no small challenge. It's one I'm really excited about. But um, by stepping away completely from the leadership group, it allows me to detach and focus all my energy on helping our other forwards and learning my craft again. Um, and also allow someone else to step into the leadership group potentially um, and give us that fresh push of leadership, which um, will propel us forward. So there you go, Nat Five, uh, all class in relation to the reasons why he decided to step away from the captaincy. The big question will be whether it was totally Nat's decision or whether it was a joint discussion, maybe with the coach and with other senior members of the Fremantle Football Club saying really this was the time to maybe step down. We'll probably never know that, but in the end, Nat Fife is the front man. He's the man that's in the spotlight, and I thought he uh, answered those questions very well in relation to the reasons why he decided to step down. Now, the other issue today is Manchester City. We spoke about on Monday, that is yesterday, about the incredible conclusion to the BBL season this, this season with the Perth Scorchers getting up over 
as we know, the Brisbane Heat. 54,000 people, they were just going off. It was a magnificent event, a magnificent end to the BBL season. Now, as we know, Manchester City are in a, a bit of trouble. They're being investigated at this point in time. It's a period of unprecedented domestic success. They now face a very realistic possibility of being tarnished forever after the club was charged with over 100 breaches of financial rules across the eight-year stretch. And the reason I mentioned the Scorchers and the way it climaxed in the final of the BBL, or as the decider was known, in 2018, Manchester City won the English Premier League title in probably the greatest conclusion in the history of English football. They got there with literally seconds remaining when Sergio Aguero scored the goal against QPR. They were trailing by two goals to one at home. The match against Manchester United, who was played at another venue, finished a couple of minutes before. At that stage, it was 2 all. Manchester United had won, at that stage, the 2018 English Premier League title. And then Sergio Aguero scored that goal. Let's relive one of the classic sporting finishes of all time. And if they are found guilty, then this title will not be remembered at Manchester City. Staggering, just staggering. Silva, Checo scores! Four minutes to save themselves! Four minutes to find their crown! 2-2 in stoppage time, the most thrilling Premier League finale of all time. Manchester City could go and score here and win the league with just about the last kick of the season. What a product this is. Clichy. Remember, Bolton are just drawing at Stoke. QPR could be safe anyway. This is all about the title now. Two and a half minutes of stoppage time played. Two and a half minutes to play. Why do you love the game? This is why you love the game. Absolutely phenomenal. And there are two minutes to play. Manchester United's game is over. So is Bolton's game at Stoke. QPR are safe, they don't know it yet. Balotelli. Aguero! Staggering! Just staggering! He's won the league with 90 seconds of stoppage time to play. United's game was over. They had it. They've had it stolen back. It's just the most extraordinary scenario you could have dreamt up. Where does football go from here? Drama of the ultimate type. Tears of distress turn to tears of unbridled joy. Amazing commentary. It was an amazing season. They played 38 games, and in 2018, it got down to the final 90 seconds of the season. Manchester United, 90 seconds out, 
had won the title, Manchester City pinched it with that Guerrero goal. If they're found guilty and there's titles taken off them, that'll be one that will be taken off them, which will be an incredible story in its own right. All right, we're going to go to the ROC Arena uh, next after the break because there's a big event happening there on Sunday morning to fit in with uh, US television. It's UFC. And let me tell you, a lot of people will be watching it, not only at the venue, but on pay TV and on various other venues around Western Australia. Soa, the Hulk, Pulele, knows all about the UFC. He's been in the cage, he's fought, and he's been successful. And he'll give us his thoughts on what those people will experience, that is the people going, and also the combatants will experience on Sunday morning. He joins us next here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The striking Kia range. The cornerstone of progressive technology, blistering performance and quality design. That's Kia. Yes, you can join us any time on the temperate bed shed. Text machine 0487 736 736. Uh, you can give us your thoughts on the Fremantle Dockers uh, captaincy. Matthew Pavlich, Nat Fife, Peter Bell. How would you rank them? One, two, three. Pav number one, five, two, Bell three. Five, one, Bell two, Pavlich three. How would you rank them? Okay. In relation to captaincy and what they've achieved, uh, you know, Fremantle captain five from 2017 to now, just handing it down. Matthew Pavlich was captain from around about uh, 2000 and, when was it, 2007, in fact. Yeah, 2007 to about 2015. So how would you rank uh, the captaincy? And, of course, Peter Bell, uh, a very good leader as well. All right, let's speak to our next special guest. Uh, Soa, the Hulk Palele, uh, is an Australian retired mixed martial artist. I mean, he is an artist in many ways, a professional from around the early 2000s till about 2015, and he most notably competed for the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is UFC. And he joins us on the program now ahead of this huge, huge event happening at RAC Arena on Sunday morning. So, uh, thanks for your time. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me on, mate. And how are you going? Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, obviously looking forward to the big big weekend with the UFC in, in town. So, um, you, you definitely can feel the, uh, the hype around uh, uh, the MMA fans around Perth, that's for sure. It's significant. As I said earlier, I spoke to the Chief Operating Officer, of Venues West to overlook uh, the RAC Arena, and they reckon the tickets just flew out once it was announced and once the tickets were released. There's uh, growing interest. Even in your time, the interest was growing. Where do you see UFC now nationally here in Australia? The main mainstream sport, and I think uh, where it's headed and and, uh, and how big it's get. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest sports in the world. You know, you've got the you know, and it's up there with the NBA, NBA you know, the you know NBA and and uh, NFL and stuff. So, it is a, it is. I think it's still growing, but it's it's great to see a lot of Australians coming through the ranks as well. So, um, and, and I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, we we paved the way, and uh, and let the, the young ones come in and and uh, you know showcase their skills and represent Australia. So it's great to see. 
We know during the Colin Barnett Liberal government, he banned cage fighting here in Perth, Western Australia. It's only when the McGowan Labor government came in and decided to open it up. Um, there was threats at one stage, wasn't there, Soa, during your time that we wouldn't see much cage fighting here in Western Australia? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and obviously, you know, with uh, uh, when when that happened, when the, they banned, I mean, they didn't ban the MMA sports; they just banned the cage, so you could fight in in the in the ring. The problem is, you, it's majority of it, eighty five percent of it is just, is wrestling, so you could fall out of that ring. So it was that safety aspect that uh, that was taken into account. And then obviously, when the McGowan government came came in, they um, he Mark kind of said, "Look, you know, um, think of it as a, you know, um, as, as a, you know, as a kid, you, you're jumping on a trampoline and it has that uh, that mesh surrounding it, so mm. you're jumping around, but you're not falling out of it. So that's kind of like the the, the, the safety uh, in it. But uh, it's made it, it was n- never banned as, as a sport, but it was just banned the way that uh, you know, obviously the ring and the, and the cage. Why has it gravitated and connected with so many people, not only in Australia and around the world, as you mentioned in the United States of America, it is significantly popular. What do you think is about the sport that people like? I think it's just the, um, you know, obviously with with the uh, with the tough house that uh, that started it off. So um, when the UFC were going down and, and they were uh, they they bought it for two million dollars and thought and and they were losing money like losing every year they were losing money so they had to do something drastic and they bought in the tough house which has had two coaches and obviously you know people to compete in in the house and they lived in it and they, they it was like a reality TV show and that kind of you know went went off the off the charts and and from then on it kind of grew and I think it's just exciting you know you got celebrities that sit there and watch it um, front stage so it is a, it's an exciting sport and uh, the way the UFC have marketed it out because at the end, at, at the start of it, it was one of those sports where, you know, even in, in the US where um, people frowned upon upon it, obviously they didn't understand it, they didn't know uh, the education behind, you know, the wrestling about it and, uh, you know, why they were wrestling on the ground, so um, at the end of the day, it's one of those sports that uh, it is growing and, uh, mate, you think that's bad? They've got this slapping uh, competition, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but uh, I think that's worse. <laughs> A slapping competition? Yeah. Yeah, it's massive in America. So you stand there and you slap the other opponent and, oh, I don't know, mate. Are you serious? No, I haven't seen that. I must have a look at it. So it's a slapping competition. You sit there and you you try and slap your opponent. Yeah, so you get one slap and then um, it's like you literally get a a free slap. I don't understand it, but it's one of those... uh, uh, sports that it is massively growing, um, especially in the US. So um, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Uh, but uh, again, I, you know, I'm each their own, and, and I'm sure people that are listening today they've probably seen it and they're probably shaking their head. But uh, but anyway, that's it is. You know, everyone has some sort of you know. It, there's sports that uh, some crazy things that happen. So I'm, I'm going to. You got my curiosity. I'm going to actually uh, have a look at it once I get off air. Let's talk about your, your UFC career. You had a couple of stints. Yep. Uh, you got briefly involved, I think, in UFC 79, and uh, you lost to Eddie Sanchez, and then you were released from the promotion shortly after that. But you returned in 2013 on a multi-fight deal. Tell us about your experiences at UFC level. 
Yeah, obviously in 2007 wasn't a good year for me. You know, I uh, I was away from 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 Australia and I spent a lot of time over there competing in that uh, signed a three fight deal with the UFC. Got cut after the first first fight, so it was quite embarrassing because it was the only UFC fight at, at that time to kind of get cut. So uh, especially signing a three fight deal, but then I kind of went on a a, a running streak and had I think eight fights. Um, out of the UFC and, and obviously made my way back to the UFC. It kind of proved everyone wrong that uh, that uh, you know you, you don't deserve to be in there. But made my way back into UFC and then it, and uh, made that run again and uh, fought uh, probably about four times and um, and did really well. But uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's one of those things that you you know um, don't ever. I didn't want to be 60 years old and think to myself I could have, you know, um, I should have or, or, or could have. So anyone could do it at any stage of their life and what they want to do. So. Um, you know, so it's never too late. So, you were in the heavyweight and the super heavyweight division, so there was some serious muscle and brawn that you had to come up against. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guys that were coming through back then, you know, it's, uh, I mean, any, any, anyone that's over 110 kilos, it's it's uh, you know, you know, throwing heavy, heavy shots like that. But again, it's one of those. It's 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 like a tactical game. So. Um, it's it's you know you, you it's a sport that uh, a professional sport that we've chosen. So you know you've got a mixture of kickboxing, boxing, and wrestling. So you've got to try to outsmart the other person, but also have a game plan. And I guess all that hard training and stuff that you do, um, you know, all comes into play. You've got your coaches there that put uh, a game plan into play. So at the end of it, you shake hands, and the winner's winner, and the loser's the loser. But then you have a drink after it, and then you know you see, you see you move on to your next match. But uh, mate, I loved it. I loved the I loved the whole um, the whole competition about it. And uh, you know, sometimes when you do, when I do watch it, I kind of I can smell that uh, that uh, <laughs> the canvas. It's like people that are old footy players that go, I think, geez, I can still smell the grass, you know. And yeah, that, uh, but, yeah. Mate, you're a, an interesting individual. Uh, you grew up, of course, uh, from Tongan heritage. Uh, you had some very good sporting prowess, I was told. You started with basketball and you moved to rugby. You also trained in uh, Greco-Roman wrestling uh, and then you got involved in jiu-jitsu. Tell us about your sporting prowess as a young man. Mate, uh, yeah, I started, obviously, I was at Willerton uh, Senior High School and started that, you know, my basketball career there and ended up playing SBL, but it's NBL1. Um, now that, uh, and then I went from there and, and played rugby. I went overseas and, and uh, sort of signed a contract with Bristol. So that was something else. But I, I guess the I didn't get the uh, what I needed to get out of what I was going through at, at the time of my life. Um, uh, battling through mental health, you know, struggles throughout my life, and uh, and not knowing how to how to deal with it. But uh, and the UFC it kind of helped me. I think it kind of saved my life really? in a way. And, and people. People find things in in, diff, in a different way on how they how they cope with things, whether it's stress, whether it's depression. Um, but that kind of helped me go through what I was going through. Um, but and you know, at, at my, the stage of my life, obviously a hard upbringing. But it's one of those things that uh, I knew. I, I understand it was just a band out over something that I was going through at that time. But uh, you know, if I didn't reach out and get help, you know, eventually. Uh, I would have probably found myself, which I did, found myself in a really difficult situation and nearly took my life. So I'm so glad my oldest daughter saved my life. And, and it's one of those things that uh, I do at this moment. I have a company called uh, Face Your Fears. We do a lot, a lot of stuff. For, um, we reach, we go to um, to mine sites uh, for a, a company called Strong Minds, Strong Minds, and we promote mental health. And we do stuff at school, at kids' schools as well. And 
uh, promote mental health there and help educate people on, on mental health and, and, and let them know that, listen, you know, if you are struggling, please reach out, you know, because there's, there's always someone out there that, would, that are willing to help you and willing to listen. Mm. So that's uh, part of my, 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 my career at the moment. So, um, yeah, so it's been pretty good. Yeah, no, good stuff. And, of course, you did uh, release a memoir some years ago about your childhood. As you mentioned, it was pretty brutal in some ways. I know that back in Tonga, reportedly your parents exposed yourself to the tough plantation life, and then you went to live in New South Wales and your uncle wasn't very nice to you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's part of growing up, I guess. It's um, and that's why I released the book. I call it a face your fears for a reason because uh, every day you you know everyone uh, faces their fears and what they go through. You know, sometimes I want to get out of bed. Sometimes, you know, uh, I don't want to get out of bed, I'm, and I'm facing my fears. And I guess that's why I wrote the book. Hopefully, people that do read it, um, that uh, they might be able to take something away from it. That might help them, mm. you know, and uh, through through uh, through something that they read. So. Um, so it's one of those things, it's a powerful thing. I think story saves lives, you know, whether they read my story or hear my story, that uh, might empower them to share their story. And the more stories that we kind of share, the more lives, I think, um, it encourages them to kind of share their story. And I think it saves lives, you know, uh, the more stories that we you know, tell and, and, uh, and, and share um, about people's lives. Because I guarantee you, everyone that's listening to this uh this, the radio now has has a story about what they've gone through in their life, and I think we, it's in, in order to to help other people, you know, to, to share stories about what they're going through, what they've gone through in their life. So I think it's mm. important. So good on you, Sarah. Fantastic. Let's go back uh, to the UFC 284 that's happening on Sunday. We've got the uh, main event, of course, fe- featuring Alexander Volkanovsky, and we've got very much Jack Della Maddalena at the welterweight division. On the card as well, he's taking on Randy Brown. Your thoughts, firstly, on Jack Della, as he's affectionately known, uh, the young West Australian boy. Uh, he's almost following in your footsteps coming into UFC from this part of Australia. Yeah, Jack. I mean, I've watched Jack Jack Della and, and made strong, really strong. And I think if he can uh, uh, stay focused, um, you know, throughout his career, I think he's he's going to be uh, a, you know someone to to watch out because you know definitely uh, a contender um, for the belt, but also saying that um, I, I think you know kind of also kind of kind of going with you know whether he does or not, kind of going overseas to kind of do some a bit of training um, overseas because then it will give him more exposure and more training partners as well where they they will push him to that next level. So. Because um, especially with myself, I had to get away and get out of uh, Perth to kind of get the best training. So in order for you to, to be the best, you've got to train with the best. So I think Jack's got a massive future in that uh, as well. So um, mm. and good, and, you know, he's from Perth as well. So I think uh, I think he's, he's he's got a massive future. Yeah, good luck to him. And finally, uh, the big main event is the lightweight program. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Islam. <laughs> Makachev, uh, how do you see that one going, and how do you rate Volkanovski? Because all the talk's been about him. My Volkan's tough. He's tough. He's durable. He can go five rounds and still and still have gas. So, but it's a tough opponent uh, that he's fighting. Um, Islam from AKA. So, Islam's from that stable. Um, you know that uh, these guys don't quit, and they and they've got good wrestling background. So, if Volkanovski can keep it on his feet, I think he'll do really well. Um, but if it gets down to the to the, to the ground, um, I think it will be hard. But um, you know, obviously, it being you know, I hope uh, 
you know, Volkan, Volkanovski walks off with the uh, with the, with the fight. But I mean, you've got other Australians on the card as well. You've got Justin Tuffer, he's a guy that yeah. I used to kind of train with as well. You've got Jimmy Cruz coming from a great stable over in with Sam Greco over in Melbourne. You've got um, Tyson Pedro. Um, so some really good you know, fights on the card, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it on the weekend. So definitely looking forward to it. And so we've enjoyed having a chat to you, mate. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the event on Sunday, and make sure you set the alarm. Thanks, mate. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So uh, the Hulk uh, Pulele joining us here on uh, Sports Day with Peter Vlahos, a terrific individual uh, born uh, to Tongan parents, uh, Tongan descent. Uh, he was born in Newcastle, New South Wales, ended up here in Western Australia, where while he was here, got into the UFC. But if you get a chance, actually, to uh, read his memoirs, very interesting, particularly his childhood. He had a really tough, tough childhood, let me tell you, particularly at the hands of his uncle, who continually used to beat him. And uh, as Sol pointed out, growing up as a young man, uh, those images haunted him, and he did have some mental issues as well. 28 to 6, uh, this is Sports Day. Thanks to Kia with Peter Vlahos. Mike Ellis, thanks for joining us. What a wrap. Yes, it was, mate. I was wondering who you were talking about for a while. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you about the Perth Wildcats, your beloved Perth Wildcats. First question, serious question, are they making up numbers in the playoffs? No, I don't think they are. I mean... If you look at their their uh, form, it's been up and down. But realistically, as they say, Peter, you're only as good as your last game. And in their last game, they were pretty good. So uh, I think there's any number of teams in this league that have the chance to win it. I think Mel- uh, sorry, uh, I think Sydney are the clear favourites. Um, but I think any of those others can make it. And you know, I think teams that are five and six. They have to be really, really on their game to be able to move to the next level. That's where the cats sit. Uh, But on any given day, if they play the way they can, I think they're able to get it done. Okay, saying that, explain to me how you can be so poor on a Friday against the Cairns Taipans and then all of a sudden take on the minor premiers, the Sydney Kings, who we must also mention didn't have a lot to play for. They were going to finish top regardless whether they won, loss or drew. Um, and play so much better on a Sunday in that short turnaround. Okay, you're at home, you don't have to travel. But explain to me the mindset here. Yeah, well, mate, I wish I could because if I could, I'd bottle it and I'd sell it. And I reckon I'd make it a fortune because, you know, it, it's beyond me as well. I, I looked at that Friday night game and I came away from watching that game going, oh, my goodness, these guys aren't even going to make the playoffs the way they're playing here. Um I guess they had their back to the wall. Um, the interesting thing about that, Peter, was that last year was exactly the same. They had the last game of the season. They just had to win against a you know reasonable side, but they still just had to win, and they made the playoffs, and they lost. They really capitulated in that game. I thought this game they really uh, lifted and, and really did step up to the mark. So I think that pressure was there. Uh, admittedly, it was a sellout crowd. And I think the crowd actually carried them along a little bit, but really did. They uh, they were as loud as I've ever heard the arena. Perth Arena was uh, amazing on Sunday. So I think that helped and it just got them and they made a couple of buckets and then all of a sudden the crowd got on behind 
And then they just rode that wave all the way through, and it was uh, it was impressive. It really was. Amazing. Yeah, it certainly was. So they've got the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on Thursday, three thirty our time. It gets underway. I was talking to Damien Martin here in these studios just the other day, and he says the Wildcats don't match up that well against the Phoenix, and it might be a bit of an uncomfortable match for them if they get through that. It might be a bit more clear sailing uh, for the remainder of the playoffs. Yeah, and I think that's probably a fair assessment. And I think what he's talking about in particular, uh, there are a couple of guys that are pretty hard to, to guard for um, for Melbourne, and that would be for South East. Uh, obviously, uh, Mitch Creek, he's a hard matchup because if you put a bigger guy on him, you can get past him quickly. If you put a smaller guy on him, he's really strong and can get to the bucket quite quite easily and finish over them. But the biggest one for me, and for me, the the catalyst for the Wildcats is uh, Deshaun Thomas. When he's playing well and being aggressive, it opens it up for everybody else because the defence can't just stay out attached to the perimeter scorers. They have to actually help out a little bit if he's going to work. The problem is, and this is where I think Damo's talking, the big guy, the guy they call Big Source over there, um, Williams for Aaron mm-hmm. Williams for uh, Melbourne. Uh, he is very, very good, and he is a very, very, very strong man. And I think that's where the problem's going to lie. I'm not sure that Thomas can can hold him. The last couple of games they've played, uh, Williams has had the better of that matchup, and I think that will go a long way towards the game. So if Thomas can lift his game and hold source, so he's just uh, you know reasonable, or even if he just plays him even, you know if he can play him even then I reckon they're half a chance. But if he gets uh, if he gets belted in that matchup, that's going to make it very, very hard for the game for the Cats. And I think it will be an uncomfortable one for them. Everyone's talked about Bryce Cotton. He had an indifferent last two games. He was good on Friday, not so good on Sunday from all reports. So outside Bryce, because we know he's a match winner on any day, who are the other players that are so vital for the Perth Wildcats to stand up uh, so they can beat the South East Melbourne Phoenix on Thursday. Is it the likes of Travis and maybe Corey Webster? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. You know, when you look at the game on on Sunday, Bryce was one of 19 off the floor. Now, that's on, unheard of. It just doesn't happen. You know, it was an anomaly. And I think South East would, uh, would not do well to say, oh, well, he'll do that again, because we know that'll never happen. Um, but the guys that stepped up, in that game were your Brady Mannix. He stepped up. He had like 24 points. Uh, Corey William, uh, Corey uh, Webster had the same. Travers had 23. He was really, really good. And those guys stepped up, and I think even um, Jesse came off the bench and had double figures. I think he had 10 or 12. So, you know, they need that. That's what they need, that, that mixed scoring. If they allow... Bryce to be the only scorer, it's too easy to guard. He'll get his, but if they can stop everybody else, then the Cats lose the game. But with the rest of the guys stepping up like that, um, then it makes it very hard, and they're a tough guard. But um, I actually think when you look at the game, um, for me, I I kind of analyse the game when I'm watching it, and, and we've been saying all year that the thing that the Wildcats have struggled with is defense and rebounding. Now, they work on the theory they're going to outscore their opposition. Well, you can't do that in playoffs because defence wins playoff games. It's as simple as that. On Sunday, they played defence and they won the rebound count for, I think, the first time all season. Mm. Now, it's no coincidence that you win the game when you do that. 
So what I'm hoping is that they look at that and go, oh, well, there's a bit of a, a bit of a formula there. If we play some decent defense and we can get on the boards and help out there, well, that's going to help us go. So that's what I'm thinking. So you need those other guys scoring, but you need a collective mindset that they're going to rebound and play defense. And if they can do that, then they can go deep into these playoffs. If they can't, it's going to be a one game and they're done. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually. Uh, how deep can they go in the playoffs? And and you've answered that. But saying that, you know, they've beaten the Kings twice in recent times. But are Sydney Kings still the standout team after finishing as minor premiers? Yeah, absolutely. I think they are. They're, they're so deep. That's the thing. That's the difference between them and the Wildcats, for example. The Wildcats... Um, John really's decided to go fairly shallow in his bench, so he's not giving any of the uh, the guys from probably about seven down any time, which you know is something that can hurt you if you get into foul trouble or guys get hurt or anything like that. Sydney go, they go ten deep, mate. They can put anybody on the floor at any time, and they really don't lose a lot. Um, and their top players are top echelon, but. The guys coming off the bench are really good and play a similar style and just fit in nicely. So they go so deep and they go way deeper than any other team. And I think that is going to be the difference between them having a legitimate shot at winning the championship and anybody else. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Lovely to chat to you. Always enjoy having a chat about your beloved Wildcats and uh, good luck to them on Thursday night. No doubt you'll be watching. Thanks for your time. Good on you, Peter. Thank you, mate. Good on you. Mike Ellis, uh, former Perth Wildcats captain. What a champion. What an outstanding leader he was. It's a quarter to six uh, for Kia. This is Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. You can join us any time on the Temper of Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Yes, congratulations, by the way, to Josh Kennedy from the West Coast Eagles. As we know, uh, there were eight more football identities who became life members for their services to the game. Five inductees automatically qualified after reaching 300-game milestones at AFL level. The likes of Trent Cochin, Todd Goldstein, Josh Kennedy, Paddy Ryder, still side bottom, and three other inductees, Lisa Hardiman, Bruce McAvaney and Eddie Maguire were also awarded life membership for their special services to the game. In relation to giving service to the game, Aaron Finch certainly wants a white ball specialist to replace him as Australian T20 captain after confirming his retirement from international cricket. The 36-year-old called time today after a stunning career that yielded more than 8,500 runs across all three forms of the game and two World Cup wins. This is what Aaron Finch had to say on why he retired. First off, it was all about can I make the 2024 World Cup, which uh, over the last month or so has been pretty clear that I don't think that I can get that far. So I wanted to make sure I gave the team and, and the new leader enough space and time to be able to sort of take the team in their own direction and see or into a direction that they, they think that they can take it over the next 18 months to be able to give that World Cup a real crack. I, I, if I kept playing any longer, uh, I think that by not making that World Cup, I would have been doing the job and, and the country a disservice in that regard. 
Well, he played 103 T20s to go with 146 ODIs and his five tests since his international debut in a T20 match against England in 2011, labelling his career an amazing journey. But he also was asked a question on who he feels could be the next captain. The overall... Well, there's, there's plenty of guys who can who can do it. I think um, we've seen... Obviously, Steve Smith has done it before and done a great job. Pat Cummins... Uh, I'd, I doubt whether he'll want to do it with, with such a big workload coming up. Um, but then there's guys from the outside who could come in and have a big impact. Uh, Travis Head, Ashton Turner, these type of guys, I think, are, are, are experienced. Uh, they know how to win as well. So um, whichever way they go, the team's in great hands. Well, Adam Simpson, uh, the West Coast Eagles coach, was featured on uh, Scotty and Goss this morning, and they uh, asked him a question on how young Rhett Bazo is travelling, of course, after losing his mother in that horrific uh, boating accident in Mandurah recently. Uh, this is what Simo had to say on how Rhett's going. Yeah, well, yeah, as expected, um, it's, the football's taken a back seat, and we need to work through... Um, the grieving process, uh, look after his family. Um, there's, a, there's a funeral that he needs to take care of and we're here to support him. So, yeah, he, he, he's been at the club a little bit over the last couple of days, uh, in and out. So, you know, integrating back with the players is part of part of the process, but not, not the first priority. So we'll, um, we'll let him take his time. Um, unfortunately, he's been, he's been injured um, for, for, for a few months. So he's... His um, release when coming back is going to be, unfortunately, rehab. But I think he'll enjoy the time he comes back and try and get to, back to some normality if that's possible. But we'll, we'll give him a bit of space. And I'd say to be the next days, few days, you, you might see him walking, walking some laps. But we'll, we'll take our time with it. Uh, there you go. Uh, that's Adam Simpson talking about Rhett Bazo and where he's at. Uh, feel sorry for the young kid. Uh, now, he's basically... Uh, an orphan lost uh, both of his parents. Of course, his dad was an outstanding footballer at Waffle level for Swan Districts, a real legend down there, and was a good mate of Scotty Cummings, part of uh, the SENWA team. And of course, he did spend a bit of time at West Perth and Peel as well. And uh, Kylie Rett's uh, mum, of course, as we know, made a significant contribution down there at Peel Thunder. Off the SMS, uh, the temperate bedshed uh, text machine 0487 736 736. Hi, Peter. This is regarding Nat Fife. I'm not a Nat Fife fan, but I commend him for stepping down from captaincy. I think it was the right thing to do, considering the amount of time he'd be sidelined through injuries. Alex Pierce will probably be the next captain, but he needs to stay injury-free as well. He's had his fair share of injuries. Congrats to Nat Medhurst rejoining the Fever. And wish you all the best and hope she has a great comeback. Yes, good honour yeah, to Nat Medhurst, uh, my uh, co-host uh, on the Ladbrokes Lounge for a few months. Uh, and by the way, Lisa Ellenbrook won't be watching the UFC. I can't handle violence. There you go. A lot of people like that, but let me tell you, a lot of people uh, will be there watching the event. Thanks very much, Lee. Thanks, Jimmy. That has been the program Sports Day WA for Kia. I'll be back again tomorrow from five. I look forward to your company then. Have a good night, everyone. Cheers.